0: Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey, listeners. Happy summer. Hope yours is off to a great start. If you are interested in the topic of maternal health, take a look at what we're doing over at www.rxformom.com or follow us on socials at rxformom. We're looking for content experts, so reach out if you're interested in learning more. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, a uh, friend and fellow pharmacist, Alex Barker. He has been on the show a couple of times before because he's always doing some fun, and interesting things, and he has a real passion for helping pharmacists break out of their the rut, their rut and kind of find some more meaningful uh, work and and passion in their careers. Um, he's written a book called "The Indispensable" or "Becoming How to Become Indispensable," the indispensable pharmacist. He is the CEO and uh, leads the Happy Farm D, and um, he also uh, has some of the the most interesting questions and polling questions posed on LinkedIn. So make sure you're following him over there. So um, <laughs> lots of different things uh, that Alex has spends his time on burnout and just really helping um, pharmacists. In their careers and and find that joy uh, and meaningful work. So, Alex, looking forward to catching up and hearing what's new with you on the show. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Hillary. It's always a joy getting to reconnect with you. It's you you have such a good podcasting voice. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this. <laughs> like it's just it's smooth and it's it's exactly the kind of tone I needed to to walk into the conversation. So I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, thank you. It's that Southern Mississippi (laughs) um, accent uh, that is coming through, I'm sure. So we are, you know, I am from the hospitality state. So I hope that I uh, make all of our guests feel welcome. Well, well, good. It's it's great. And just you know, if, if people haven't heard one of your other you know episodes before, or maybe they're just getting to know you, you know, share us like where are you calling in from in the world, and you know, just a little bit about. You're definitely a family guy as well, so maybe share a little bit more about that too.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'm Dr. Alex Barker, pharmacist, founder of the Happy Farm D. And we get pharmacist jobs; they love. Um, it wasn't always that way, though, for me. I started off my career as a clinical pharmacist in AmCare, and unfortunately, became really quickly burned out. And I had to deal with a couple of bullies in my job. But actually, I'm I'm glad for those experiences because it drove me to discover what was going to make me happy as a pharmacist? What would make me feel fulfilled in what I did? And and for me, that meant helping other pharmacists discover that for themselves. Because um, eventually I worked my way out of that job, and now I, I do the Happy PharmD full-time, and we coach and provide career education to universities and pharmacists and helping them discover career paths in which they – they wake up excited for work, um, and you know you mentioned family. Yeah, that's that's really important because for us, th- some of the greatest things that I love about my job is getting messages from spouses of the pharmacists we help to say like, "I have my husband or my wife back." Yeah. You know, they're they're present in the evenings and they have weekends off and they love okay. they love what they do. Like they're a totally different person and. Yeah. And I don't want to claim like, <laughs> you know, we save families mm. at our company, but like, how flipping cool is that? I mean, I remember what it was like, I know you had a much different pharmacy experience than mine, but I, I remember coming home to my wife and telling her like, take the kids away from me. Like, I know they want to play, you know, I come home, they're, dad, let's go, let's play, you know? I remember calling her up before getting home and saying, Hey, like take the kids and please distract them for like an hour. Because if I play with them, I'm going to get mad. I'm, I'm going to do something I probably regret because I'm just so stressed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still stressed a little bit, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I get done with work and I, and I'm present with my kids cause I, I love what I do and I get to be there for them now, which is, It's a dream come true. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Yeah, no, I can totally relate. Now we, um, waited or a little bit, I think I, I was kind of on the early career track, um, or Mm. did the early entry program. And now a lot of people, you know, already were married and maybe had kids and things, but, um, so I did not have a family starting out and then, um, once my husband and I got married, we had, we waited five years and then had our first uh, little girl. So I wasn't dealing with, with those stressors at at that time, but Mm. yes, even, you know, early years of, you know, being married or I was still moonlighting uh, in retail on the weekends or, or thing, you know, maybe I wasn't really doing as much nights then, but um, yeah, Mm -hmm. you, you, you come home after an eight or nine hour shift and you've gone to the bathroom once, maybe twice, no (laughs) breaks. Um, you know, you can't leave and, um, yeah, you can't even think about making dinner. It's, it is just kind of exhausting. Um, so I, I can totally relate to that. And, you know, um, I've been with dispensary of hope for the past seven years and there was not a position there before I started uh they they had created one and because I had my foot in the door as a volunteer um was just lucky enough to kind of be in there and I've been able to kind of be more um entrepreneurial in that Mm. sense and yeah make it into a really fulfilling I mean we've got such an amazing mission um but yeah it's there. it's it's so different when you can be a part of an organization or, um, you know, set out on your own path and, um, or doing things that you really enjoy, but also have that a little bit more of a balance with your work life. I mean, I'm super social and we love going out and doing fun things in Nashville and things on the weekend with family. And, um, it is, it's so helpful when you can have a, uh, a job that allows for that. So I'm I know lots of people are grateful for you for that. So, um, Alex, maybe, um, you know, one of the things we've talked a lot about, um, you know, burnout in the past and, uh, that continues to be an ongoing theme and what's kind of the, uh, the, the workplace or, you know, what is like the workforce, you know, what are we, what do we have kind of going on there with the different dynamics of, Um, you know, we had COVID happen, we had this and
1: (laughs) yeah, a lot's happened, a
0: lot's happened. Um, where maybe just share like, um, just some quick snippets on, on that and maybe like where you've been able to place or help a lot of people find, uh, new positions and find things that they really enjoy. Do you have any kind of data on, um, some of the kind of placements that, um, people have landed
1: Yeah, well, you know, state of the job market is tumultuous at best. The core aspects of pharmacy continue to be community and hospital jobs. You know, that's 70 to 80% of the market in terms of what exists and also what new jobs are out there. And when people come to us, they, they say something to the effect of like, I don't know what I want, but it's not what I currently have. And we actually just published a few months ago our success report from 2022. And pharmacists are going all over the place. When they come to us, it, it really looks like the job market currently. Like there's a lot of community. There's a lot of people in hospital. Mm-hmm. But when they work with us, they go all over the place. The most popular um, being the pharmaceutical industry. I think about th- technically like 35% of our clients get into the pharma industry from regulatory affairs, medical affairs, um, sales, marketing, uh, MSL roles, and the rest, it's a mishmash of jobs from operations to federal jobs to market research roles. Um and even in community and hospital roles as well. But for each of them, it's, it's really not about like, where's the sexy job? It's, it's more about what will be the most fulfilling job? What will wake me up excited? And so these people get these kinds of jobs and they report really high satisfaction. In general, we're helping people get a job less than two months after our coach program. And according to some like really bad stats that are out there, it takes on average over 12 months to find a job in in the Mm -hmm. pharmacy market. But like what we're seeing practically in, in community and hospital is that places continue to be understaffed and over budget and the stressors from COVID really haven't gone away. They continue to be there and there's high pressure and we're seeing that the new generation of pharmacists wants v- very little to do with pharmacy practice, traditional pharmacy practice, I should say. Um, there's definitely a lot of people out there that are going into residencies and getting normal community jobs, hospital jobs, but we're seeing a like a, a really weird shift. You know, Hillary, I don't know when you graduated, but I I remember when, I remember like P1 year And learning kind of this um, doctrine, really, that if you go into pharma, you're kind of a bad guy, you know, (laughs) like, you're all about the company or making money. Um, It wasn't really verbalized. It was just kind of like, that. that's just how we thought that, you know, you don't want to go into pharma, you want to go into patient care. And now... um, the most common question we get from students and new grads alike is how do I get a remote pharma role?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: there's been a lot of shifts in the market and we've had to position ourselves much differently. We used to be much more generalists and and our coaches are trained to like help anybody get into any career path. But now people really are focused on pharma. You know, they really want to get into those kinds of roles and so we've specialized our team and hired more people to to really fulfill that need
0: is it just i'd say that those are some of the major age- or more yeah yeah pharma, pharma medical writing moved. okay
1: yeah medical writing medical information in particular yeah we we run group uh, programs where uh, there's just so many pharmacists that want those paths so we just mm-hmm. in order to meet the demand we've just had to put them in groups together and we've gotten them jobs um, actually much more quickly than the typical jobs because usually, well, not always, but the hiring process usually for medical writing and information is much faster. Um, But also it's much easier to get gigs. You know, there's a lot of people who are growing medical information and writing side gigs and just turning that into their full-time income. We're seeing, I would say, a generational shift as well where um this newer generation really have very low loyalty to companies they just don't trust them Mm -hmm. which they have their reasons for and they're legitimate and so if they're not going to trust a company well then who can i trust if not myself and when i graduated like i i had no interest at all in in creating a business for myself Um, but now it's it's a very different vibe, very different. Um, and, and most new grads don't see themselves doing something traditional in the pharmacy space, like starting up a pharmacy. Why would you, right? You're competing against big dogs that have billions of dollars. And so they're finding, you know, these niche industries and strategies to create their own streams of income. It's a very interesting time to be a pharmacist.
0: Mm-hmm. Certainly. Uh, yes. And the you know availability of more remote positions is, is I'm sure, very appealing as well. So, well, cool. Um, lots of different, so many different career paths. Um, would you say that most of your clients are those new grads who are trying to figure out where they land or what they do? Or is it more people who are have been in their career for 10 15 20 or you know maybe even earlier I would say I would say five years and under um, n- new grad but where where are most of the people kind of sure turning to you and needing help
1: well we do have contracts with universities where we're providing you know mm-hmm. coaching um, for for those people but the one on one or the group clients, i I think maybe it's around thirty forty percent our new grads would fit in that category. Um, but the majority is is as pharmacists who have somewhere between five and fifteen years of service. Um, we occasionally do have b s farms as well. In fact, that's a pretty common question. Like, hey, you're the happy farm D, but do you uh, help BS farms? Of course we do. Um, <laughs> the yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, right? Uh, the the strategies work, um, and you know the adage is, if you have a BS farm, you have the equivalent of a farm D. But there's still this belief that that there, it's not enough, and it's it's even true for pharmacists who have a farm D but don't have residency.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um. It's like we're, it's it. This idea is indoctrinated into us that we have to have more, and more never training, seen all the cred- more credentials certifications. at the end of
0: people's names. <laughs> I know, I
1: know, I know <laughs> exactly.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: and while valuable, they it doesn't always mean that it's going to be valuable in the job mm-hmm. marketplace. It's really our specialty in helping people understand. Who they are, what do they really want from their job or career, and how do they position themselves to get that? That's what we're experts at.
0: Okay, so that's a good segue into um, how you know what is you know visioning and and creating a vision. So I'm sure that's some of the work that you're doing as well. Like people come to you and they're like, I don't know what I want to do, but not what I have right now. So. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think you, when you and I first spoke before recording, we, we talked about how powerful visioning is for both our careers and our work and, and the businesses. And I think in general, when, when employees look at a vision statement for a company, it, it's very rare that I hear people saying, like, I get mm-hmm. the vision. Right. Like I'm on fire for that. I get it. I, I understand it. I know it. Um, and so just to be really clear, a vision statement is, is, is really ideally a, a present tense statement that describes who or what the company is in the future. Um, and I like to state it in the tense of like, it's 2025, and for us at the Happy Farm D, we create a society which pharmacists love pharmacy and society values them back. Like that's our okay. vision statement. And as a part of it, it means we're going to transform our industry to truly value themselves, their worth. And ultimately, that's going to cause society to say, oh my gosh, these pharmacists, they know who they are, they know what they're all about. I get their value. And I value them in return because the pre- in the present reality, I see society not really valuing us. There's a few people that you talk to like, oh, yeah, I always talk to my pharmacist about a new medication. Mm-hmm. But with the way the media covers our problems, with the way people interact with a typical pharmacist in particularly the community setting, I, I would... Venture to say that we it doesn't feel like we're important to the healthcare system or to people's care. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to change, and we do that through our mission statement, which is powerfully coaching people to help them fall back in love with pharmacy to champion for those pharmacists to live their best life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But to get to that vision, it's, it's, it's a challenge and there are steps that you can take, not just for a company, but for an individual to get you inspired to do the hard work of creating a career that you really value.
0: Yeah. Um, that would not be amazing if all of society valued pharmacists, we get, you know, we're the within the top three, what trusted professions, but there's so much of a um, misconception of what a pharmacist does. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we hear all the time, thank you doctors and nurses. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. pharmacists are never yeah. kind of added as, as one of those other, you know, important healthcare um, uh, professionals. Um, and yet, we, of course, are some of the most accessible. So, um, mm-hmm. yes, amazing. And, you know, even thinking back to what you were talking about um, with people wanting to kind of do their own thing and and get away from the big corporate world, um, you know, growing up, I had never heard the term entrepreneur. You know, you take one of those safe, quick, safe uh, paths, like you're a teacher, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're you know, I guess banker. Um, and yes, the, uh, the whole kind of, um, just entrepreneurial mindset, uh, I think is becoming more, uh, out there, um, just with, with, Mm. you know, you've got a lot of these social media kind of gurus and things that are doing, you know, kind of promoting that. Um, and yeah, people can, um, walk away and, and build their own things. Um, so yeah, fascinating, but yes, we are, we do have a little bit of some gaps in what we're teaching and what are, um, the, the language or kind of our, just what, what's put in our heads. Um, you know, I think we've talked about imposter syndrome before too, and people thinking like, I'm not enough, or I, can't, I don't have all the skills to like, you know, make the leap so um hmm interesting so yeah well uh, I mean you've helped how many pharmacists now like just I mean you've been doing when did you switch to the the happy farm do you I mean it's been several years I mean how many how many pharmacists over the years have you been able to help um through this
1: We started in 2017, and when I say we, I mean Mm -hmm. me, (laughs) but we've grown, and I quit my job in 2018, around Mm -hmm. August, and I mean, since 2017, we've now helped over 2,000 pharmacists get new and amazing jobs that they love. Um, You know, our vision for 2022 was to help 1,000 pharmacists, and- that was a compelling vision at the time. Like I didn't, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I thought if I could help a thousand people, um, it's going to speak volumes. It's going to change people. It's going to change their families. It's going to change society. And I'm I'm proud to say that we've helped now over 2000 people. So like that's a dream come true, but now for us, it's about, it's, it's bigger. Obviously, we still, at the core of who we are and what we do, it's helping pharmacists. But um, when you really think about a vision for something that you know is going to be hard, but it gets you excited, You, I know I had to really connect with my emotions to get me excited about doing even more. Because when you think about 2,000 people, it's kind, It's vague. Right. It. And especially if, since I'm remote and I don't meet in person, vast majority of these people, it's hard to connect. Like purpose in meeting with this work, mm-hmm. which is why I shared that my vision for the future is to change society, to like influence how society sees us and who we are and what we do. Um that gets me excited that seems impossible to me (laughs) but it also gives me a lot of drive and energy Mm -hmm. and i think for you the the listener if you're if you're listening to a show like this you're you're probably inspired by a lot of the people that come on the show and you think about the big things that they're doing and they're they're people just like you and me they're there's someone who has a dream, something that got them excited about. And I think a lot of people have dreams and desires for the profession, for their career. And I think one of the simplest ways to really discover what that vision is, is to connect with the emotions of what you hope to achieve or what you hope to see in the world. Like it, 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 it isn't much to expect to go into work and to feel appreciated for what you do or to not or or even to, just to feel safe in the workspace mm-hmm. to feel like you can do your job and do it well and be treated with respect you know those are emotions that i hope drive people to do good work but if you don't have those things if there is that gap that you talked about Hillary then that's the space to lean into to discover mm-hmm what is the vision for what you do on a day-to-day basis and either how can you change your current job or your environment to create those things for yourself or how do you change environments to get into something where that's already present a job where you're treated respectfully um, or whatever that emotion or desire is you know hillary when when you created your, um, or not? I'm sorry. Let me start over. Hillary, when when you joined this organization, what was it about the vision or the direction of the company that you got excited about?
0: Yeah. Well, um, we were we were, uh, we're you know really radically changing um, medication access for the most vulnerable, and it's through a very sustainable solution. So getting medications from pharmaceutical companies that are surplus or would otherwise go to waste Mm -hmm. and they can, instead of, you know, short selling them, if that's, you know, an option or, um, you know, the, the other alternative is that it goes to the morgue and then is incinerated that just blows my mind, right? Wow. And uh, instead, it can be donated to a nonprofit. And, you know, it's oh. all, you know, had been, um, it, it's, you know, we're board of pharmacy approved in all 50 states um, to be able to distribute that medication as a licensed wholesaler to pharmacies and clinics across the country for low income, uninsured patients is pretty remarkable. Um, and so, Mm. you know, I think growing up in a a small town in Mississippi, seeing a lot of poverty, um, and, and just kind of always having a heart to help others. I mean, that's probably why a lot of people go into healthcare is they want to be able to help people. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, stumbled upon an internship in D.C. at HERSA for the Office of Pharmacy Affairs. And uh, again, just, you know, had been up there on the Hill, loved D.C. and thought, this is fun, but how do I go back for my career path? And, um, hmm. you know, pharmacy is a small world. And uh, we had an, an Ole Miss alum that was the director for the Office of Pharmacy Affairs. I was like, great, sign me up had no idea what they did. Um, that just got me to DC and I was very happy to live and work or to live on the Hill, walk a couple blocks to Union Station and take an hour, uh, Metro ride out to Rockville, Maryland every morning. I thought it was amazing. (laughs) Um, but I loved the, you know, programmatic feel um, that they were doing and being able to help the safety net. And then also some of the um, clinical initiatives to help track and document the impact of pharmacist care. Um, And that Mm -hmm. was, you know, some charges from Congress. And so that was the division of the federal government that had the authority to do that. It was called the patient safety and clinical pharmacy services collaborative and, Um, That ran a couple of years and then spun off into a nonprofit that's now called AIM or Alliance for Integrated Medication Management. Um, And so, yeah, I think, you know, my, if you looked at my career path, it would be, um, yeah, kind of darting all over the place. Like what is she doing or where's her path? Um, And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, you just kind of have to be willing to take those opportunities. But yeah, I've just always been, been passionate about, about that. And it's, you know, and it's certainly an, an innovative solution It helps, you know, also speak to my, you know, faith, um, and helping and caring for others. And, um, even though I did not grow up Catholic and I'm not Catholic, um, part of the, um, our mission is tied in with Catholic healthcare. And there is just something really unique about Catholic healthcare, care. Um, and their mission for care for the poor and vulnerable that is very, very special and unique that I haven't experienced in a lot of other um, healthcare organizations. So um, Hmm. certainly, uh, you know, an interesting um, place to be. But I'd love to explore a little bit more. So obviously helping pharmacists get fulfilling you know, jobs. And then that in turn, I think, you know, one of our biggest downsides is that, you know, we've got students that go out and we're like, great, I think I want to be a pharmacist. And they go talk to one and they're like, Oh, don't go into that kid. Uh-uh, this is yeah. so, um, you know, it's, it's wonderful that, um, you're able to help, you know, one-on-one and, and that's obviously scaled over the number of years that you've been doing it. But, uh, I really, Want to hear your thoughts on how you think that you know. I love the vision of changing how society views the pharmacy profession, and what and you know, how you see the happy farm D, how you see others like going about doing that. Um, I'm sure there's There's lots of different opinions and things. Um, There's been, you know, video campaigns and these campaigns and
1: I'm not sure that any (laughs) of them have
0: been very successful (laughs) thus far. So um, what what do you think will be what are you going to bring new uh, or what's how do you want to accomplish that?
1: Well, I've got big dreams on how we're going to do this. But that's honestly for later. And I can divulge some of the things that I'm inspired to do. But for now, it's a focus on internal. I think the solution to this problem involves changing the way our profession thinks. Um, I'm on a campaign right now to speak at colleges and universities and talking about the value of... What a pharmacist can yeah. do. And I do a really I do a really simple thought experiment where I I pose a question to students and I say, How much money do you think if if you're a f- typical pharmacist, let's say in the community setting and you work, you get paid 120K a year, how much money do you think you will produce on average for a company? Mm-hmm. And most students have no clue, never have thought about mm-hmm. this. But if you just take some simple calculations, as of like 2021, a, a, farm, a single pharmacist in the community setting can produce about uh, just over $400,000 in profit. In profit, not revenue, profit. <laughs> and most people are blown away by this idea. They had no idea what they produce for a hmm. company. And I think the fundamental shift is about value, Mm -hmm. about who we are. And I know for a fact that pharmacists don't think they're valuable Mm -hmm. because in terms of the stats that we have about whether or not a pharmacist will negotiate for more money or something else in the job hiring process, when they don't work with us, it's less than 11%. 11% of pharmacists negotiate for more or something else when offered a job and that that's not a surprise to me because when we talk with people there's just this belief that you know what they want to do a good job they don't want to ask for more they want to help people but when it in terms of fighting for themselves as one pharmacist i think put it so perfectly in a comment on linkedin something to the effect of Pharmacists love helping everyone but themselves, and mm.
0: <laughs>
1: we are a servant or a service and servant really, I guess, oriented profession. You know, we provide recommendations. We're not doctors. We don't. We're not MDS. We we don't make decisions. We're recommendation providers, and this trains us to, in my opinion, not really fight for our value who we are and that's really the focus i would say of our coaching program this is what we do and we get people to see their value what they're amazing at and why a company should be expected to pay more for them than anyone else because of what they bring to the table so that's the current strategy is is really helping individual and groups of pharmacists change the way they think about their careers and in turn change the workplace when they get into that new job. Ultimately, and I don't have any concrete plans at this point because <laughs> I when I say like I want to change society, like I realize that I have to be the change that I want to see but also help my own industry become that, I also see that the way to change society is really done through media. And while I don't have the resources or time or uh, (laughs) energy, I would say, I know eventually I want to get into creating media that will influence society. And, and I mean specifically things like news, um, television, movies, video games, I see that as a huge potential for influencing how, pharma- how pharmacists are viewed by the public.
0: Fascinating. Wow. I love it. Yes, we, we definitely have some opportunities in sharing how we provide value. Um there is just no doubt about it. Um I think that's why we're left uh we've been left, you know, and and just kind of thinking, oh, well we do the dispensing and we get you know, we we kind of make um make up money from dispensing and there's been a slow very gradual shift into a, you know, more of the, the service provided, but it's, there's still some leaps and bounds to be made. So love that you're asking those kinds of questions and uh, big questions, making people think about the value that they bring. So Alex, awesome. Well, any kind of final words um, as we wrap up our um, conversation today?
1: I would just encourage you the listener to be willing to dream a little bit bigger um, you know whether you love your work you feel like it's okay or you hate it there's always potential for bigger impact for yourself and those around you there's so much potential in our industry I'm seeing it every day <laughs> we have this um this place in our in our inner community where people are posting the things that they're doing um, as they work with coaches. And it's things like, I just interviewed the CEO of a company and they're making a position for me. Or I just got interviewed in a job offer for this company and my wife and I are trying to figure out how to get off Christmas week every yeah. year. <laughs> and when I see these things, I go, ah, yes, the change is happening and I want to see more of it happen but you know actually i guess the thing i would encourage you everyone is to find your tribe to find your people that can help you create that change because while you know i'm sharing these amazing things that we're doing um it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for my team and for the people who i've surrounded myself with um we have truly <laughs> a world class team of people, and they're great. They're so much fun, and they're doing such amazing work. And, um, you know, I, I can't really take credit for this work or for these amazing things that they're doing. Um, it's them, it's all them. And you need that cheerleader, you need a great boss, a mentor, someone who can help you grow and achieve the things that you want to do. Um, And ideally, it's got to be a pharmacist, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who's in the industry and gets it and gets Mm -hmm. you. So that would be my final word to help you achieve your vision.
0: Well, great. Well, Alex, um, enjoyed it. And thank you so much for being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.